0: Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a special message from Chase McCollman. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, here it is. Man, it's good to be back in church. It's good to be back. There was that little break where we had our online service, but it's so good to be back with you guys. It's so good to be in this building. I love the energy. I love everyone. And it felt like a while, honestly, maybe a little bit longer for me, because during that online service on that Sunday, instead of gathering with some people, I have a little confession: I may or may not have been at the golf simulator, having a good time. But I watched it the next Monday. But I, I genuinely I missed you guys. I missed being here, and so it's good to be with you guys today. It's good for our first service of the year to be together, um, and it's exciting. It's exciting. So, if you guys don't mind standing a little bit longer. Oh, by the way, my name's Chase. I forgot to introduce myself to the first service. A little bit nervous, um, but I'm Chase. It's good to be here with you guys. So let's get into the passage today. It's in Genesis chapter 40, verse 6 to 19, and it's all about the story of Joseph. And, and this is a, a passage from the story. And a little bit of context, Joseph is in prison, and uh, and God has shown his favor. It's been a little bit of time. It's been like seven or eight years, and he's in prison, and prison warden has put joseph in charge of pretty much the entire prison and so joseph is making his rounds checking on the prisoners and this is where we are in our passage today it says when joseph came to them the next morning he saw that they were dejected so he asked pharaoh's officials the ones that he was checking on who were in custody with him in his master's house why do you look so sad today well we both had dreams they answered but there's no one to interpret then joseph said to them do not interpretations belong to god tell me your dreams so the chief cupbearer told joseph his dream he said to him in my dream i saw a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches and as soon as it budded it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes and pharaoh's cup was in my hands and i took the grapes i squeezed them into pharaoh's cup and i put the cup in his hand well this is what it means joseph said to him the three branches are three days and within three days pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, just remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, well, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread, In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. A little bit crazy, (laughs) a little bit wild. I'm going to call the message today, New Year, Same God. New Year, Same God. You guys can take a seat. So again, a little bit of a crazy ending to this passage, but don't worry, we're going to get through it. It's all going to make sense in the end. And my heart for us today is that we will walk away with hope for this new year, knowing that God is with us. And because of that, our response to God's faithfulness can be just the same as Joseph's in this passage. But before we dive into the passage, can I tell you guys a little story? Is that okay? Sounds good? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you guys a story about my grandma. And I love my grandma, she's amazing. She's a short little five foot woman of God, amazing woman. And so she just recently moved out to Sylvan Lake on her own. And so me and Sid, my fiance, we went out to visit her. We were like, we should go hang out with grandma a little bit, let Sid get to know her and and just check on how she's doing. So we go out to Sylvan Lake. Grandma's so excited to see us. We walk in and she's like, hey, you guys, I got this amazing coffee shop. I know you young adults like going to coffee shops. So I found the best one in Sylvan Lake and I'm going to take you there. So we head over to this coffee shop we sit down, and, and it's got this beautiful view of Sylvan Lake. And we're chatting, and, and Grandma's asking us questions, and we're kind of catching her up on, on what our life's been like the past couple of years and, and, and filling her in. And then Sid looks at her, and she's just like, do you mind telling us your life story? And so my Grandma starts telling us her life story. And, I, and I've heard it a couple times, but in bits and pieces, but Sid's never really heard the whole thing. And, and 20 minutes in, I, I look over at Sid, and she's just weeping. And the story's just hitting her, and I got tears in my eyes, too, because this story that my grandma was telling us of her life, it was filled with suffering. It was filled with pain. There was all these moments where, where things didn't make sense, where life just went a different way, and, and, it, and it, it was there was just so much suffering in it. There was so much suffering. There was moments where she was hurt by the church. There was moments where she was in a marriage with a non-believer, and, and it was so difficult for her to remain in that marriage, and, and it ended in divorce, and... And then she was taking care of three kids, kind of being the main parent for them, trying to get food on the table. And then once the kids had moved out, then she got remarried to a, a God-loving man, and, and she, he treated her well and was so kind to her. And then shortly after, he passed away. And so this story, there was so much more to it, so much more suffering, but, but just hearing it, it was just hitting us. It was, just, it was so hard to hear, but, but that wasn't actually what impacted me. That wasn't what stuck with me. It was these little moments in between each story of suffering. These little moments where my grandma would, she'd look at us and she'd get this little grin on her face and this little twinkle in her eye and she'd kind of, it was like she was lost in wonder and she'd look at us and she was like, after this, this moment of suffering, she'd look at us and she'd be like, but God was with me. But God was there. But God never left me and it, and it stuck with me, it impacted me because it wasn't the suffering that was the main part of the story. It was the fact that God was with her through all of it, through all of it. And, and I think about that story, and I think there's so much wisdom that comes from those words, and, and it goes along so well with the fact that I think Blake and Camden kind of preached my sermon as well, that, that God's been with them and that God's the author of our story. But I think it's so important because we're in a present day and age where, where there's people that are riddled with anxiety, there's people that are lonely. There's people that are, are feeling depressed. There's people that don't know what their purpose is. There's people that are searching for answers. And, and the problem is that, that even us who, who know God and who profess to be Christians, we can often sometimes get caught up in life and we can forget that God is with us. And so I want to take some time to look into Joseph's story to see the faithfulness of God in his life, that God was with him through everything. And my hope is that that will shape our response to look like Joseph's in the passage we're going to look at. So before I, we get right into that passage, I'm going to tell Joseph's story a little bit, tell, give you guys a, a filler. I'm sure many of you have heard this story before, but, but I'm going to retell it to show us that God was with Joseph. And so Joseph, he was a part of a big family. There was 12 brothers, and he was one of the youngest ones. And Joseph was the favorite. The Bible tells us that, that Jacob, his father, showed favoritism to Joseph. He had this, like, special coat and everything. Like, he was, he was the man. And, and because of that, I think Joseph kind of had a bit of an ego. And, and he might have lacked in a little bit of self-awareness because one day Joseph had two dreams, and, and these dreams were from God. They were prophetic telling of the future, and it showed Joseph's whole family bowing down to him. And so Joseph, being the self-aware 17-year-old that he was, he was like, I should tell my family. <laughs> and So he gathers the family around, and he's sitting there with all his brothers and his dad, and he's, and he's like, hey, you guys, I had this dream, and you were all bowing down to me. And what sibling doesn't want to hear that? <laughs> and so he tells them that, and, and so not only was there the resentment already there from Joseph being the favorite, but now there's these dreams that he's going to be this amazing man, and And they're supposed to bow down to him. And so this this anger and this hatred begin to kind of boil up in the brothers. And so one day Joseph's father, sends him out to the fields where his brothers are working with a message. And and Joseph's brothers see him far off and and they begin to devise this plan. And they're like, we need to get rid of Joseph. Like like we need to do something about him. And so they devise this plan to throw him into a well that was nearby. Kind of a toxic family. (laughs) And so they show up and they throw Joseph in this well. But then Reuben, the oldest brother, he begins to feel a little bit guilty, and he's like, I don't know if we should leave him there to die, and so he's like, he gets this good idea in his head, and he's like, we should sell him into slavery. <laughs> a toxic family, what is, like what is going on in this story? <laughs> and so Joseph gets sold into slavery, and I joke, but, but this, this moment in Joseph's life, he's lost everything. Joseph's been abandoned by the people he cares the most about. He's been rejected. He's been sold into slavery. He doesn't he doesn't know what's going on. He's in a foreign country. He's lost everything. And and this is where we begin to see God being with Joseph. It says in Genesis chapter 39 verses 2 to 4, it says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master who had been sold into slavery too. And, and when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And so this is the first moment where we see that Joseph is in this great place of suffering, that he's lost everything. Everyone has left him. No one's with him, but God is with him. But God showed up. God was there in that place of suffering. And, and the story continues. Joseph, he's become a strapping young lad. He's, he's working hard for this place, and he's been put in charge of like everything. And it kind of seems like Potiphar, the master of this place, has, he spends a little too much time at work, and his wife spends a little too much time at home because the Bible tells us she began to take a liking to Joseph. And so she begins to try to seduce Joseph. And Joseph, being the God-fearing man that he is, he's like, away from me, Satan. And he keeps her at bay for a while. But one day, when all of the slaves were out of the house, when it was just Joseph and Potiphar's wife, then she tries to get him into the bedroom. She tries to seduce him. And again, Joseph, being a man of God, he books it. He just gets out of there. And that's a word to every man here just book it, (laughs) just get out. But he left his coat behind. There's another word remember your coat. (laughs) Don't forget the coat. And so Potiphar he comes home and and his wife she shows him the coat and she's like your servant was here and he tried to take to take advantage of me. She lies and she tells Potiphar that it was Joseph's fault that he was trying to take advantage of her and so Potiphar is enraged and he throws Joseph in prison. He throws him in prison because he's a powerful man. And so once again in Joseph's story he's experiencing great suffering. He's lost everything. He'd been there for a while so he developed relationships. He developed status, he developed a purpose, his identity. And it's ripped from him once again. And so he's back into this place of suffering. He's alone in prison on his own. And once again, we see God come into his story. It says, Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 to 22. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And so again, his greatest moment of suffering, God is with him. God is there for him. God is providing for him. And it's not just some like, secretive way. Like These people didn't know his God. But it was so clear that, that in the first and in the second, that, that it was so clear that they put him into places of power because they saw that God was with him. They were like, it's so clear that, that there is a God that is with Joseph that, that he needs to be put in charge of things because we trust that God. So God never left him, He never abandoned him, and He was always with Him. And, and Joseph's story is a promise to us. It's a story that is a promise to us that even in our moments of greatest suffering, God does not leave us. He does not forget about us, He does not abandon us. God is with us. And, and we heard it from the testimonies today, from the baptisms, that in those moments where it feels like there's nothing left, in those moments where it feels like there's nothing to look forward to, then God somehow turns up. And it's over time sometimes, or maybe it's in a moment, but, but he, he's there and he shows up. And, and Joseph has his story and we have our story and we have the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus is that he came and he went through what we go through. He went through great suffering and he experienced it himself. He lived as one of us. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 6, this is a prophecy about Jesus' life. It says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins, and he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed, and all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And all of us have a story who follow Jesus of, of recognizing that it wasn't us who did it. That Jesus came and he bore all of our sins, all of our past, and he bore and He died on the cross for us and he rose again. And that's the same story that Camden and Blake were preaching when they were up here, that, that Jesus took what they couldn't figure out. Jesus took what they couldn't deal with and and he's done that for us and that's what he invites us into is that, that he's taken it on himself. That he saw us valuable enough to hold that pain in him, to suffer through us. And so God is with us and he suffers with us but he provides the answer. He gives the answer that I can do something with this. I have new life for you and it's in me. It's in God. And so now that we have firmly established that God is with us, and that we can have faith in him, then I want to take a look closer into this passage to see how that faith has changed Joseph's response in the midst of his suffering, and how it can impact our response in the coming new year. So let's get back to the passage. Again, Joseph, he's in prison, and he's been there for a while. It's been like seven or eight years, and he's been put in charge of the entire prison because God's favor on his life, God with him, is so evident that they needed to. And two of Pharaoh's officials, a cupbearer and a baker, have just been put under his care. And they've been put in prison, and they're awaiting a trial for something that they had supposedly done. And I want to look at Joseph's response, but I want to break it down into three facets. Three facets of Joseph's response that grow in us as we become more aware that God is with us, but that had grown in him throughout his times of suffering. And so the first one, first facet being an attentive heart. The second one being confidence in God's word. And finally, The third one, a healthy fear of God. So if you're taking notes today, start writing stuff down. But we're gonna get into it. So the first one, an attentive heart. In Genesis chapter 40, verses six to seven, the beginning of our passage, it says, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? So an attentive heart, Joseph sees them in their suffering. Joseph notices them. Joseph is attentive to them. And I I really think that this is so important because I think this is the beginning place that people need right now. People need a heart that's attentive to their situation, to their story, to see them in the midst of their suffering. And and the thing that I think is so cool about this is, is Joseph has no reason to be attentive, Joseph's been abandoned, he's been rejected. He's been hurt. His family's left him. They they threw him in a well. And then they sold him into slavery, and now he's been put in prison for false accusations. Joseph has no reason to be attentive, but I think what's happened is that Joseph has spent so much time with the God who has been attentive to him that he can't help but be attentive to others. And so I think that that, for us, is, is the more that we spend time with God, the more we recognize that he's with us, the more our heart becomes attentive to others. Our, our anxieties begin to fade away, and we're able to see what's in front of us. And, and so I think there's, there's people in our lives like the person at work who maybe we pass by every day. And maybe we're too busy scrolling, or maybe we're caught up in, in what we're about to do that day. Maybe we have bigger and better things to do. God's calling us to be attentive to them because they have a story. They have things they're looking for. They have a need and we can fill it. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's an outcast at school or maybe it's even someone in the service today that God's calling us to be attentive to, to see them in their midst. But if we can't realize that God is with us and allow him to be attentive to us, we won't be able to see that need. And so Joseph's, the first facet in his response is an attentive heart the second is joseph's confidence in god's word his confidence in god's word in genesis chapter 40 verses 8 to 14 they say we both had dreams they answered but there is no one to interpret them that's why they're sad that's why they're looking dejected and then joseph said to them do not interpretations belong to god tell me your dreams So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches, and as soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes. I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. And Joseph says, This is what it means. The three branches are three days, and within three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. An amazing word to give to somebody. What really strikes me is Joseph's line where he says, Do not interpretations belong to God? And the reason it strikes me is Joseph, back when he was 17, had two dreams. But these dreams have not yet been fulfilled. And so Joseph, in full confidence, he looks them in the eyes and he's like, Do not interpretations belong to God? But these two dreams that have not yet been fulfilled have caused him suffering greater than he ever thought or imagined. And so how is it that Joseph can just respond with such confidence that God has the answer when he hasn't experienced it in his own dreams? Because Joseph knew that God was with him. Because he said, do not interpretations belong to God. And then he said, tell me your dreams. Assuming not that he was going to answer them, but that God was going to answer them because God was with him. And I think that right now we live in a time and place where people are looking for answers. They're looking for something and when we live with an understanding that God is with us, we spend time in his word. And we spend time hearing his voice and it becomes the answer to every situation. I I remember I have a story back when I first came to Jesus and the first thing he began to deal with in my life was I had an eight year porn addiction. And that had just completely shaped and transformed the way that I thought, the way that I, the way that I looked at women, the way that just all these things about me, my sexuality, all of that. And I remember stopping was difficult, but, but it was actually much harder to start thinking differently. To start letting God actually change my mind, change the way I thought, change the way I looked at women, change the way that I, I saw my desires and all of this. And, and I remember just asking God, I was like, man, like, help me out like like I need I need something I need to be healed I need something to hold on to I need an answer and I don't even remember reading this I don't know where it came from it it must have come from God but Proverbs 23 verse 26 just began to start popping into my mind and it and it goes oh my son give me your heart may your eyes take delight in following all my ways and it just came to me one day and it stuck It wouldn't leave, and and it just began to change my thinking. Every moment that my mind wandered, every time that something popped up on my phone, this verse would pop into my head, and it would be like, Oh, my son, give me your heart, and may your eyes take delight in following all my ways. And so God had an answer to my question, an answer to my heart. And Joseph knew that they didn't need his interpretation, but they needed God's interpretation. And I think we live in a time and place where people need God's interpretation. There's too many human interpretations right now. They're all over the place, over social media, in our workplaces, in schools. There's all these human interpretations of life, but but people need God's interpretation. And that comes from a confidence in God's word, knowing that He's with us. And so Joseph, number one, had an attentive heart. Number two, he had a confidence in God's word. And last but not least, Joseph had a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God. And so this first bit is he's still talking to the cupbearer. He says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And I want to stop there for a second, because I think it's perfectly fair that Joseph wants to get out. Joseph's like, I was put here, falsely accused. So when this all comes true, when you get reinstated back into power, just mention something to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Just let him know, like, I I want to get out of here. I'm not supposed to be in here. And so mention something to him. And the reason that's important is revealed in the next bit of the passage. It says, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, well, I too had a dream. And so he saw this favorable interpretation. He saw that Joseph had said something good, and so he wanted some of that too. He was like, tell me something good too. Tell me that I'm going to get reinstated as well. And so Joseph is kind of in a bind now because he wants to get out of prison. And he has a chance and an opportunity where he could double his odds. Where he could say, yeah, of course you're going to get reinstated. Of course Pharaoh's going to accept you back. He could blur the lines a little bit. But I love Joseph's response. He says, this is what your dream means, Joseph said three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. And this was a different time. <laughs> this was in history. And, and the thing was is that one of the two of them had done something that was deserving, a punishment. And I mean, the Pharaoh was in charge of that punishment, a little bit crazy. But what I want us to see is that Joseph wanted to get out. He wanted to be free, but it was more important to him that he was faithful to what God had said. He was faithful to what God had said. He had a healthy fear of God. And I think Joseph's healthy fear of God gives him the courage to give this truthful interpretation. And he sets aside his fear of man and his desire to please and his desire to get out of that prison. And he faithfully delivers it because he knows that God is with him. And we know, when we know that God is with us, it changes the way that we talk. It changes the way that we speak. It changes the way That we deliver things. And and how many people here today know that God's answer is not always what people want to hear? That God's answer is not always what people want to hear. And and so there's things that we need to talk about. There's truths that need to be told like sin. Like we got to talk about sin. We're called to it. It says it in our Bible. It says it in the word of God. and, And it's a truth that is true. And so if we don't talk about things like sin, people aren't going to get free from it. People aren't going to recognize it. There's things like hell. We need to talk about hell as well. Our Bible talks about it. And so we're not going to sugarcoat these truths of the world that God has created. Things like gender. Things like sexuality. People are looking for answers. And are we going to be faithful to what God says about those things? And the last one is suffering. I I think that this is more when it comes to being in, in the church. It's something that we struggle with. Is that our gospel is riddled with suffering. The gospel that we believe in, there is so much suffering involved. And we love, we love to tell people, like, it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be great. Can't wait for you to follow Jesus. But, but Jesus was very clear that there was suffering in this time. Yeah. That before he returns, before he comes to reinstate his kingdom, there's gonna be suffering because we're entering into the life that he lived. And so a healthy fear of God, living with that makes it so that we can speak about God's truths in a way that is both loving but truthful, because we know that God is with us. And so, so what? Like, why does all of this matter? Why am I up here today saying this to you? What does this mean for our lives? And, and more importantly, how can our new year be impacted by this kind of response that Joseph had? And so I want to zoom out for a second And I kind of thought about pulling up some stats for this, but at this point, I don't think I have to convince anyone that anxiety is rampant in our society. That anxiety is an increasing problem that is going on in in each and every person. And it's coupled most often with depression, high levels of stress and burnout and, and loneliness and fatigue. And that people are searching for an answer. People are looking for an answer, there's a quote from Psychology Today. It says, The true cause of anxiety is being a human being, gifted with the capacity to imagine a future. As a mental state of apprehension about what might or might not lie ahead, anxiety reflects uncertainty about future circumstances whether regarding one's own health job or love life or climate change or downturn in the economy it can be triggered by events in the real world an upcoming doctor's visit relationship conflict a rent increase or generated wholly internally through thoughts of real or imagined threats and that's what's going on in the people around us today a mental state of apprehension about what might or might not lie ahead they're looking for an answer people are searching for something and I just believe that, that the first thing that they need is an attentive heart. They need someone to see them in that place. They need someone to say, hey, are you okay? Like, I've noticed you. And I've seen you. And maybe they're thinking in their mind, like, like will God ever notice me? Will God ever see me? I've, I've maybe sent up a couple prayers. I'm not sure if I believe in him, but is he there? And people need an attentive heart. People need someone who knows that God is with them enough to be able to forget about their things and see someone else. And once that trust has been created by by seeing someone in the midst of their pain or their suffering, then they need someone with a confidence in God's word. They need someone who has the answer, someone who can be firm in the fact that, no, Jesus has saved us from this. Jesus is the answer to your questions. Jesus is the one who gave me new life, and he's got it for you too. A confidence in God's word. And finally, they need someone with a healthy fear of God that's willing to talk to them about the hard stuff of life. That's that's not going to just sugarcoat it for them and and preach them a gospel of of you're going to flourish and and life's going to be okay and everything's going to be great. They need someone to tell them the truth that that there is suffering that comes with this, but it's all worth it because Jesus has a promise of eternal life. And so either way, you're going to go through suffering, but why not join in with Jesus and enter into that? And so as believers, I I believe that this is the culture that surrounds us right now. They're asking, they're searching for answers. And it's our responsibility to give that to them. It's our responsibility to know that God is with us. The same way that Joseph was seen by the people in his life and they knew that there was something different about him and the way that he responded to them. People need that now. People need that now. And so how do we get there? What are we going to do? And so I put together three commitments for the new year. Three commitments for the new year. So get out whatever you're taking notes on. um, Whoever's on keys, you can come up as well. But there's three commitments for the new year, and they each got a little bit in them. It's kind of like a smorgasbord of things that you can pick and choose from. Because I know that everyone's at different walks. Everyone's at different places in their walk. And so I got a lot here. You don't have to do all of them. You don't have to commit to all of them. But maybe just pick one or two. And just commit to it this year for the new year. So number one, invite God into it. Invite God into it. I love this one because I think that it's so important that we don't forget that if we don't invite God into it, we don't remember that he's with us. And and I have this little story. I was was sitting with Sid, my fiance, and we were talking and and it started to become a, a conflict and we started having a conflict about something. And I remember looking at her and I was like, do you not understand what I'm going through? And a little bit of advice, don't say that. (laughs) But I was like, do you not get what's happening in my life? Do you not see that? And she's like, no, because you didn't tell me. And you didn't invite me into it. And and it's the same with God. He's he's there and he's waiting and he's he's watching. But if we don't invite him into that place, we're not going to experience it with him. So invite him into your life. Invite him into your suffering. Invite him into your story, the past, the places where you've been hurt. Invite him into it in this new year. The second commitment for the new year, surround yourself with community. And this one gets real practical. This one gives you some good practical steps. Number one, join a small group. Because surrounding yourself with community, like we believe here at Kingdom Church that, that we are the body of Christ, that the church is the body of Christ. And, and so if we wanna know that God is with us, we better spend time with the body of Christ. We better spend time with people who know Jesus. And so the best way to do that is join a small group. At the end of this month in January, we're gonna be relaunching our small groups. We've got so many, all different ages, all different categories, it's gonna be amazing. Join one, join a small group. Another way to surround yourself with community, go through growth track and join a serve team. If you've been here for a little bit and, and you're wanting to get more connected, you're wanting to get involved, we have this thing called Growth Track. It, it talks about what our church is, what our mission, our values, and our purpose is. And we get to know a little bit about you as well, what we believe. And, and so do that. Surround yourself with community. You gotta come and be here early in the morning, surrounded with other people who love Jesus. And finally, the last commitment for the new year. This is the one that I believe is so important practice God's presence. Practice his presence. As believers, then we are students. We are, we are followers of Jesus. We're trying to learn to live like him. And so we practice God's presence. We practice these disciplines. And so we've made it really, really easy for you. Kingdom Church is doing this challenge starting tomorrow called 10 for 10. And you might have heard it on online church. And if you didn't, here it is, 10 for 10. It's got three different parts to it. A 10-minute devotional time for 10 weeks. So commit to a 10-minute devotional time for 10 weeks, reading your Bible, praying in the morning for 10 minutes, and then 10 minutes early for church for 10 weeks. 10 minutes early for church. This gives you a chance to show up, to center yourself, to be able to get into the presence of God, to have a cup of coffee, to talk to one of your friends, and then to be ready to worship our God and to hear the word. 10 minutes early for church for 10 weeks. And finally, the last part of it, 10% tithe for 10 weeks. And this is not a money grab. This is a way to show Jesus that you are willing to give. that You are, you are accepting the fact that he has given it all for you and you're giving 10% back to him. And it's a way to get our eyes off of our money or, or the, the things that we're holding on to and set our eyes on Jesus and know that he's with us so again 10 minute devotional time 10 minutes early and 10 percent tithe for 10 weeks or if you want the most practical step 6 30 tomorrow morning till 7 30 we got prayer here for an entire week and so we're praying 6 30 7 30 each morning up until friday so prayer it's so practical you can start it tomorrow you can even do your 10 minutes of devotional time there and you can kill two birds with one stone And it's leading up to worship night. And so that entire time is just gonna be about getting in God's presence, praying for what's to come, the new year. But again, it's gonna be a reminder that God's with us. That God's with us. And, And finally, the last one for practicing God's presence. This is something I do. And I thought I'd share it. It's something simple. But every time you sit down to read your Bible, every time you get in your car to go to work, every time you go to meet a friend, just pray a simple little prayer saying, God be with me. God be with me and and it does wonders for our thoughts the way that we think because when we're remembering in each little moment of our day we're remembering that he's with us and so when someone needs an attentive heart or they need someone with a confidence in God's word or a healthy fear of God then we're ready because we remember that he's with us and so again you guys can all you guys can all stand again there's three commitments for the new year don't have to pick all of them just maybe ask God if there's one or two that that he wants you to commit to because we live in a world that needs people who know that God is with them, that needs people who have that undeniable truth inside of them that God is with them. So the last thing I want to do today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give a chance for any person here that that God's been working on their heart throughout this time and and they kind of feel something inside of them that's like, man, I, I, I need God with me. I want God with me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make him my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, if you feel like God's putting that on your heart, I just want to invite you to raise your hand right now. And I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. So Lord, I just thank you so much, Jesus, that you gave your life for us to give us new life. And that we're invited into that. And Lord, I pray for the people that have raised their hands today that are saying, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I want you to change, to transform me, to heal me. And I want you to be with me. So that not only will this change my life, but my life can then change others. I can be a light to those around me, to those in my community, to those at my workplace, in my family, whatever it might be. So God, I just pray that you would fill them with your spirit, Lord. You transform their hearts and you would bring them into your presence. God, and I pray for all of us in this new year, Lord, that you would bless it, that your hand would be over us and God, that we could become so close with you, Jesus, that our response looks like Joseph's. We thank you so much for how good you are, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty and your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you want more information about our church or want to get connected, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We can't wait to get to know you. Till next time, take care.